Welcome to Security All In. This is Sam Curry. I'm Chief Security Officer for Cyber Reason. And here on the podcast, we try to go a little deeper into uh, what makes security people who they are, at what point they went, quote, all in on security, or at what point security went all in on them, if that has happened. And uh, sometimes we talk about risk in particular, about managing risk. And the motif, of course, is uh, also a little bit of gambling. We talk about it being security all in, that is Quite obviously a poker uh, reference for those of you who play poker or know of it. And uh, we'll go from there. So uh, with that, I'd like to welcome the guest on this week's podcast, Cecil Pineda. Welcome to Security All In. Hey, thanks, Sam. Happy to be here. It's great to have you, actually. I've been looking forward to this podcast, as I do with all of my guests, of course. But when I first met you, you had one of the most interesting jobs I've heard of. Of course, now you are the managing director and CISO for CyberWatch. But at the time, you were the CISO for DFW Airport, which I believe is one of the nation's largest airports. And you were tied up in everything from people movement to national security to a massive piece of real estate in the middle of Texas. What was it like when you were the CISO? How long were you CISO for there? Well, I was there exactly for uh, two years. I uh, actually resigned on my second year anniversary. Oh my goodness. So, uh, yes. and uh, But yes, it's two years gone by and um, I actually enjoyed every day of it, every minute, every long nights and some weekends that we have to work. Yeah, I can imagine because oh. uh, you also, you, this is from an outsider's perspective, not having been in an airport role before, but it seems like an intersection of physical security and digital logical security at the same time, high stakes kind of environment. Was that true from the inside? Is, uh, do I have the right perspective there? Yes, uh, for the most part. Um, it is still like most other companies I've worked for. The only difference is is that we are responsible for, you know, for, I would say, 66 million passengers uh, every year and millions of uh, cargoes pass through our airports and uh, around, I think, about $30 billion, but which the airport drives, the business around DFW, the airport drives around $30 billion of business every year. That's amazing. Uh, it's funny, you still use yeah. the first person there, which is a habit I have as well. When you've Once you've been yeah. a protector or a defender of somewhere, it's hard to lose that mindset, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I still help them from time to time. Actually, I was just exchanging emails with the CIO uh, a few minutes ago, uh, helping them with other things until they uh, replaced me there. They, they're still looking for a replacement right now. That's not a surprise at all. And, and it's good to know that you uh, you moved on on the best of circumstances. And on the anniversary, I, myself, I don't tell my boss this, but I have moved on on the anniversaries. I think it might have to do with our personal cycles somehow, that these things come up on a cadence that's all our own and you, yeah. you find the next thing. So what took you to Cyberwatch? What was the um, what was the compelling reason you said this is for me? Well, um, I, I didn't really want to leave the airport. I really love working there, even though it is quite stressful. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people working there, a lot of devices to protect, There's a lot of data to protect. And also that organization was really helpful for me. The CEO itself, the CIO, and all the executives there are very supportive of my program. And that's one of the reasons why we were so successful in a very short amount of time because of the support I got. Now, while I was doing this work at the airport, for many years now, I've always wanted to go to the consulting and the vendor side. The reason I started my career there 20 years ago, almost 20 years ago, I was doing consulting and I missed helping dozens or even hundreds of customers. And around this time last year, I was already thinking of, hey, um, what if I can help 
more than one company. So I was thinking of, you know, one of the things I'm very proud of is uh, building the cybersecurity program at the airport. And I went around and showed it to some of the vendors and consulting companies around here in BFW. And, and I said, this is really, you know, I've created several of these in the past and I would like to help companies build their cybersecurity program. And I was surprised by the interest from the vendor community. And actually, a couple of the companies offered, you know, to work for them to provide the service to their clients. So that's why I moved to uh, CyberWatch. Yeah, it's kind of addictive building things. You, I was struck at a roundtable we sat on as you talked about your program, how you bridged with the business. And I remember you characterized it as at the beginning, it was hard and and a bit of a slog and a lot of rolling up the sleeves, but that you'd gotten to a really good place on a business level with your counterparts. And I guess now that you've built that, why would you sit around and just be like the Maytag repair guy? Not to diminish it, but you built a good system. There's more places to go and build things based on that by the sound of it, if I'm reading you right. Yeah, and I'm engineer by, you know, I started engineering when I was in college and I really like building stuff. And throughout my career, I've done it in so many places. And, you know, after two to three years, you, you want to build another one. And not, you know, maintaining is not boring at all, especially working at the airport. But it's always good when you're building something and you'll be able to, you know, improve upon on the next iteration and the next iteration. You know, like software developers, they they yeah. always tend to, you know. I had a boss once who told me, Sam, to be a CISO, you have to be operationally excellent, that that notion of writing it. And you also have to be an innovator and an agent of change. And you've also got to be a voice for security, but you can't do all of them because you'll go crazy and nobody is good at all of them. Um, So figure out who your lieutenants are. And I think we're kindred spirits there in that we like to build things and it happens to be security. So I I completely sympathize, but that's not to diminish the essential role of keeping it going, right? Yes, yes. So let's. And I admire. Sorry. No, no, no. Please continue. You, you admire? Oh, no. I admire those guys who. There are a lot of our peers here in the CISO circles. Uh, they've stayed five, ten years, and I admire them for doing that it, because there are certain CISOs that are, you know, they're built to manage a program through its, you know, years. And I think it's not boring. It's still challenging, and you can still improve upon every time that you go through the program. For my part, it's just because this is just me. I've always liked helping customers and building something and then going to the next one. I think I'm, I'm starting to enjoy it after nine, ten weeks now at CyberWatch. I kind of enjoy uh, engaging with customers. Yeah, it is addictive itself. But I'm going to venture a guess here and, and maybe we can talk about the younger Cecil uh, a little bit. I'm going to venture a guess that this has always been a trait of yours. You uh, came to the United States from the Philippines and uh, yes. as an immigrant, and it, it takes a certain mentality to say, I want to do something. I want to push a new frontier. I want to push either personal or one that we all have. Uh, what was the younger Cecil like? Maybe we could start with what, how you found security or how it found you and when you and how you decided to come here to do it to, to the United States. So what would that young Cecil paint a picture for us, if you can, of him? Yeah, uh, well, out of college, I've been very interested in computers. And uh, my and did, mom, did you study, um, did you study although, computer science in, in college or did you study something No, I, I studied electronics and communications engineering with minor in computer science. Ah. And while I was in college, uh, I was fascinated with computers and my mom, uh, who can barely afford a computer, was able to get me one. And um, 
think I disassembled and assembled that computer like at least 200 times and I really enjoyed it. And then during college, I have a, a lot of computer science subjects, mostly uh, Fortran, Pascal, and uh-huh. I made a, a, a small living developing a machine, you know, uh, you know, working on my classmates' machine language problems and earning money on the side. So I think at one point, 10 of my classmates, I was doing their projects for them and earning money on the side. <laughs> that, I can relate to that. I had a business yeah. and it, I grew up in, in Canada, in Quebec, and my a buddy of mine and I had a computer repair business when I was in, in the equivalent of junior college. And we had yeah. XTs and 8088s and 286s and we would take, yeah. them apart and take three bad ones and make two good ones out of it kind of thing. So I, I can relate. And I love that your mom got you one. What was the machine that she got you? Oh, it's an 8086. It's a, uh, you know, oh, those yeah. generic build, you know, you uh, they don't have brands. You, uh, you buy them, buy the components and then you assemble them. And uh, I really enjoyed it. And then after college, I went to computer repairs and networking and then a lot of Y2K projects along the way. And around 98, 99, I was enjoying uh, some success in working on, on some Y2K projects. Uh, me and my friends, we were thinking about, hey, uh, you know, we have this really, we're really energized to do something new. Y2K is coming to an end. It is already almost 99. And, and, and the, the world's first over and we up, should do something new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We so we, we were like, hey, we gotta do something, and we've always liked hacking. Uh, I'm a big fan of the movie Sneakers. I don't know. If mm, you remember I remember that. that movie. Yeah, they had it, the universal yeah. decoding board, right? They had this uh, decrypt universal yeah. decryption tool. Yeah. Yes, and uh, that movie inspired me to to build my own cybersecurity team in the late '99, before 2000. And January of 2000, we um, applied for a business permit to set up a company, uh, my own security consulting company. And that we was that was here started, in, the, in the U.S. or was that in the Philippines? In, in the Philippines, that yeah. was in the Philippines, and this is early 2000. And I'm a big fan of a couple of companies, maybe three companies during that time. I don't know if you still remember Foundstone, Counterpain. Oh, yeah. Fishnet. I, I followed them so very closely. Fanstone was George, uh, right? And he did the yeah. they did the hacking exposed stuff. And yes, and yeah. Counterpain was Bruce. Bruce yeah. did that after applied cryptography, and they sold to uh, BT way back, right? Yes, uh, we, uh, before yeah, Counter uh, BT bought Counterpain. I'm a big fan of those guys. I bought their book. I watch their website. I watch <laughs> every news. I'm, I'm very fortunate to have met them later in life here in the states. So I always tell them that hey, you know, I tried to email you and ask you for if you have a job for me and both of you did you ignored my emails. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I would never ignore. I, I first interacted with George around Foundstone, even though I compete with him now. But I implemented yeah. uh, the first commercial version of Blowfish. Uh, Bruce Bruce will share that back oh, in 96, 97. Good. So yeah, and I was a big fan of applied cryptography. As many of the younger listeners may not know, but the older ones will all know it. Uh, he was instrumental in some of the early, I won't call it popularizing, but getting crypto message out there. Yeah, so, so, yeah. You, so you got this company off the ground. And where did it go Yeah. Then? And well, we were having difficulties because this is early 2000 and I wanted to, I have a couple of really good friends who are very good in penetration testing. And so we offered penetration testing, vulnerability assessments, and four months down the road, we have zero customers. Wow, you and, were ahead of your time. Uh, that's, that's almost worse than We were made. so ahead. Yeah. And, you know, we had no choice. Uh, we were running out of money, like seriously out of 
money. We had no choice but to sell products. And we contacted Checkpoint. We contacted ISS. Yeah, we don't know if you still remember ISS. Oh, yeah. Um, we nearly yeah, acquired I, them at CA, but they wound up, of course, we lost out to IBM in IBM. those days. But yeah, and X-Force. Yeah, but, yep. Uh, I, I sold them uh, Trend Micro Network Associates uh, during those days. We survived selling those products. And we were actually succeeding in closing a lot of those deals. And then we oh, so really wanted our really yeah you yeah that makes yeah. sense you were saying and then uh, oh sorry no yeah you so you you became a reseller of sorts and i interrupted you i apologize so, so yeah where'd, no, you, no, no. where'd you go from there well we were still we didn't want to go out of you know, we wanted to pursue our dreams to security consulting we tried hard to sell uh cyber security consulting services to banks and government institutions and one day i had a, an idea i said you know no one's buying our services because no one at that time, companies are more focused on putting firewalls. Mm -hmm. They're connecting to the internet. So, so I spoke to one of the CIOs of the local banks and I asked him, hey, um, can we do a penetration testing? Um, if we don't get in, you don't pay us. If we get in, this is our fee. And that CIO, I still remember him. His name is Nelson. He mm -hmm. gave us a break. She said, okay, let's do it. And yes, uh, we started the pen test. And on the second day, we were inside their network. And wow. that was the start of it. Uh, after that, another bank. The good thing is this bank allowed us to use them as a reference site. So we used them as a reference site. And after that, eight, nine, ten banks came in as customers. And then one of my biggest projects there is risk assessment of the in the Philippines, we call it the Bureau of Internal Revenue. In the States, this is the uh, IRS. Mm -hmm. So we did the risk assessment. That was my first big project that I beat all the big fours, including IBMs. And, wow. And yeah. Yeah. So that's why I miss those days, Sam. That's why I went <laughs> back to the, to the vendor I side. Because of, oh, wow. I yeah. get that. So, so, you, so, thing, so, yeah. you, so you did it. And, and the truth is that those of us who... Anybody who's in long enough is going to go back and forth a little bit. So what brought you to, how did you go from that to Dallas-Fort Worth? And what brought you to, to Texas and the United States? Well, um, before, um, my wife was already here. She's working as a nurse in 2004. And I was still in the Philippines. I thought I had the best job in the world. I was a director at Ernst & Young mm -hmm. for the cybersecurity practice. Of course, at that time, we don't call them cybersecurity. We call it technology uh, risk. I was a director there. And uh, my wife moved here to work as a nurse. And uh, after six months, uh, she said, you can either stay there or move or follow me here. And uh, I had to make that decision. Um, I think well, my three daughters would be very happy if we even if we move here. So they were babies at that time. So yeah, uh, in 2005, we moved here. Are they close and, in age? Um, are your daughters close in age? Are they, how old are they now? Yeah, they're, <clears throat> they're 16, 18, and 21 right now. Two of them are in college. Um, so that would have been 14, and, um, 14 years ago or so, right? So they would have been very yeah, young. Yeah. Yes, that was, yeah, they were very young. And then, yeah, it was very difficult when I got, when we got here. Um, I couldn't find a job because in 2005, they're looking for CISSPs and other certifications, which I don't have. And fortunately, after five months of looking, uh, CVS, Caremark, uh, gave, gave an offer. And yeah, that was my first job in the States. That's a huge leap. So you, you have pushed frontiers your whole career. And then from there, CVS, Caremark, you proceeded and wound up CISO at one of the nation's largest airports. That's, uh, that's remarkable. Yeah, I started at the bottom as a consultant first uh, for three months and uh, I was, you know, it was 
I have to go down there um, to move up to DFW. It took me about, yeah, a good amount of time, but it's worth it. It's been fine. And so now you've made the uh, <clears throat> you made the move back to the vendor side, so to speak. What yeah. things outside of the discipline inspire you? I know you mentioned you have three daughters. Yeah. Are there things in life that give you energy that you bring to to cyber? Uh, is it music? Is it fiction? Is it movies? Is it that you really passionately just thrive on the customer mm-hmm. interaction and people? What makes you tick when you bring that energy, that animus to uh, cyber world? Um, I don't know. I- Probably because uh, many, uh, oh man, Sam, that's a big question. I know, um, and you can answer any way you it. want. You can also well, punt I, it. I totally go with that. Yeah, you know, I probably because of my upbringing, uh, I didn't, we didn't have a lot when I was growing up. Um, mm. Always wanted to be successful and uh, wanted to, you know, uh, work hard. I think it's in my DNA. Just I just work hard, even if it's working or doing something at home or with my kids. I just, you know, want to do my best. And yeah, on my free time, I bike, I mountain bike a lot. Um, I think it helps me de-stress. Uh, while I bike for two to three hours in the on the trails, it helps me, you know. I think it's more, it's very therapeutic for me when I bike. Mm. And uh, for some reason, I'm still working while I'm biking. I'm thinking about how can I help my customers? How can I help my, you know, when I was working there, but how can I help DSW more, you know, much better than what I'm doing right now? Well, I have a partial explanation for that. I, I, um, I like to watch far too many TED Talks, and I know I can't cite the source of this, so take it with a grain of salt. But yeah. I heard that when we're at our most relaxed is when we're at our most creative. And so I'm a night owl. Um, what that means is that I'm not at my most, shall we say, operative early in the morning, but I'm very creative at that time. And and morning people are very creative at night. It's when you're exercising, when you're tired, when you're relaxed, the free ideas flow in ways they wouldn't yeah. in a more disciplined mind. So maybe when you get on that bike, you feel physically better and you yeah. breathe more and your brain associates more, right? That That might be what's yeah. happening. Yeah, least, and, 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 and I'm not a biker. I mean, I can relate to no, that. No, no, that's true. And I really, at night also, you know, you, you get the thing where I, I feel more creative at night. And to be frank with you, uh, in the morning, sometimes I feel like a zombie in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a zombie, so I'm at my most creative and probably most dangerous in my morning commute in Boston yeah. traffic. But, uh, hey, and Sam, I forgot to mention to you that I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you in the past, but I had PhD. Oh, yes. And, um, I'm sorry, Dr. Pinnett. Yeah. P- no, what I meant was uh, when, you know, when when a movie, I couldn't find a job. And mm-hmm. uh, I had a PhD, meaning I was poor, I was hungry, and I was desperate. <laughs> right. And I think all those years, I carried that PhD. I'm, I'm not as poor as before, but I'm as hungrier every day. I'm not that desperate, but I still try to do my best, you know, uh, to be the best. You know, I still try to, you know, you know, just the best I could do to help my customers. And that makes total sense. I, I sense in you, it's more yeah. than a work ethic. Those of us who, uh, it's it's a hunger. It is a always, no matter how confident people exper- appear on the outside, it's this, the yardstick is internal, right? That you are always a heartbeat away from being poor, hungry, and desperate, right? And those of yeah. us that have that, we don't, we just keep pushing. It's not about the, how the person next to us is doing. It's you and your bike and your own race. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, switching gears a little bit, though, in in the discipline, and now you've gone from really understanding risk in a very complex, large environment to being back in the vendor side. What do you think's hot in security right now? What do you What are you sitting there going? 
hey, this is, this thing really interests me. Is there, look, we've got all the alphabet soup out there and all the marketing bingo buzz going on uh, with hot terms, but what makes Cecil say that's interesting? Is there anything happening? Well, uh, you know, uh, since uh, joining Cyberwatch, I've met probably 35 of my peers around the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And, uh, and you know, the the usual things that are still so hot, uh, you know, ransomware, all this AI, machine learning, and these are all good for me uh, and for all of us. There, a lot of the technologies that are going out now are addressing a lot of the risks that we have. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things I wanna, when I meet a lot of the CISOs, is sometimes the going back to basics is is something that is lacking right now. Yeah. I've, we've bought so many of these technologies, and somehow you know we have not been able to come out for, you know, a lot, for example, you know, one of my employers, uh, which I won't mention, you know, we have like 35, 40 tools in our arsenal. And that's not, that's not uncommon. We have, that's fairly, yeah, and then, fairly, fairly common. Uh, yeah. yeah. And then we have a dozen staff. It is so hard to keep up. And again, these tools are, are very powerful at the same time, but it is almost so difficult to manage the alerts you get alerts fatigue every day and you know when i was working at the end user side every night i have to wake up to check my email or my text messages if there's something going on it's almost like it is almost to a point that my job has taken over my life Mm. and i couldn't i need to find a way today i couldn't find a silver bullet that could address all of those things now, there are ways that, you know, one of the things I always preach to my friends and colleagues and I said, hey, guys, I know one of the things I was able to do at the airport was, hey, I've created this cybersecurity program. Yes, it's not rocket science, but with this program, I was able to get a better visibility of the things I'm doing, not just from the technical threats, technical tools, but also from the governance side, compliance side, and the risk side. So. Mm. So anyway, what I'm trying, yeah, it, today our our profession covers a lot of domains and there's always a hot area in each of those domains. So. Yeah, it's almost like uh, what, what you, you what you said at the beginning was, yes, we can chase all this stuff, but the, all these abstractions, I mean, we simply can't keep up at that scale, right? We've got to develop more efficiencies and we've got to uh, occasionally yeah. go, wait a minute, what's really going on here? And maybe your breakthrough is that the simplest things, those first principles, the foundation stones, are the way to keep it all honest and not to lose your life as well as lose track of risk, right? That there's, you can be more efficient and focus on what matters and still go for a bike ride, right? (laughs) This can all, all in fact, be balanced. And if that message comes through to anyone listening, that's a a really good thing. We're we're approaching the end of our time. I, I have two more questions for you. Okay. The first one is, um, what advice do you have for uh, any young Cecil out there, or Cecilia for that matter, any any man or woman who's coming into the industry, based on your experience, and I mean the frontier pushing the, you know, get it right and build, and you became your own CISO. You didn't, it didn't sound like you said, I'm going to follow this path and just go through the motions of college to CISSP to whatever, that you shook it. And do you have any advice for that person who might be listening to this, to this uh, podcast? Yeah, uh, I have a lot, but uh, the first thing is probably uh, 
I think the first advice I could give them is you always do your best, whether you're asking to do an access review or doing, you know, when you start as a consultant, you're basically being asked to, you know, very small things that you think they don't matter. And when I was starting, um, every little thing that I was asked to do, I made sure that I will kill it. Mm-hmm. And uh, today, that first CISO's, CISO that I reported to, he still calls me. <laughs> I think my CISO from 2005, I think he called me maybe three or four times now in the last 13 years, offered me three or four jobs now. That's and great. when I, yeah, I think when you do your best, when you're dedicated, you, you don't stop learning also. And that's, you know this, Sam, every day there's something in you. Mm-hmm. You know, you go to a vacation after five days and you're almost like left in, <laughs> Let you know. Me out, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So second one, I would say it's really just there's the community, especially in the Dallas Fort Worth area, so small. That community is very helpful. Um, I did not find my job. Actually, someone told me I know a person who could do a very good job, and he referred me to the to Dallas Fort Worth area. And and I asked him, Hey, uh, Dwayne, thanks for recommending me. And, and he said, Cecil, you know, I've known you we, uh, for a long time. We've always exchanged ideas. You're not selfish on everything that you've worked on. You've shared it to us. And I think you deserve, you know, that's why I recommended you because you, you I believe you could do a very good job uh, by being the CISO of the FW Airport. Phenomenal. Yep. Yeah. The second question I have is, I mentioned earlier this notion of taking risks and poker theme. If I had a CISO poker game, whether I do one in the DFW area with your friends or if we do one with other people in the podcast, would, would you be part of that? Would you be uh, willing to join in and play cards and talk security with us? Of course. would love to. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. Well, Cecil, thank you so much. I really appreciate talking to you today. And I know that, uh, I know folks will appreciate hearing it. And I look forward to seeing you face to face again soon and talking to you again. Yeah. Hey, thanks, Sam. And thank you all for listening. 